So welcome back to the Expert Edge. Today, I'm interviewing one of my good friends, Casey Morris. Now, Casey started out as a teacher, uh, like a secondary, you know, secondary school teacher. And she, uh, from the frustration that she was experiencing in her life of wanting to contribute more and wanting to build a bigger, more, you know, uh, fulfilling life, she started creating courses and selling some of her, some of her lesson plans. And from there, ended up building a membership that now generates multi-seven figures. And she's a phenomenal individual. She's an amazing leader. And this conversation, I think, is really powerful. If you have got a lower ticket program, maybe it's a membership or something like that, and you want to learn some strategies on how to really position your lower ticket membership so that you get thousands and thousands of members and you actually scale it up into a highly profitable, highly sustainable business, which is exactly what Casey has done. I think today's conversation is going to be phenomenal. We talk a lot about building team, about um, becoming a market leader, about really moving past those challenges that you face internally when you're really growing and scaling your business. And as always, I always love to interview people who not only have built a highly successful, profitable expert business, but live a an amazing life. And you know, she's a full time mom as well. And you know, wife and all the all the things, um, and which is just so cool watching her build an amazing, fulfilling life while also building a highly profitable business. So I think you're going to have a blast listening to Casey as we unpack her journey from using low ticket memberships to build a highly successful business. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. So Casey Morris, welcome to the Expert Edge. Thank you so much for having me, Colin. This is like a full, full circle moment for me. So tell us about the full circle moment. What does that mean? Because I think this is going to be really cool for the listeners. Yeah. So I think we met, how long ago was it? Was it two years, three years? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. Pandemic brain though. I can't, I don't have <laughs> yeah, any time. Totally. time. Who, who knows? <laughs> but we met each other in California at the Kajabi summit. I, yeah. for some reason got asked to be on this really cool panel with some really cool people. And you were one of those people. And I was terrified because I, <laughs> I really didn't have any proof of of this thing really going to work. You know, my business had just started to take off and you were the professional stage speaker. So <laughs> we're all freaking out and you're over here like calming us down and getting us to feel good about going out on stage, which I appreciate. Thank you so much for that. And we went out there and, you know, did the thing and kind of just told a little bit about our, our business, but it was a really cool experience. But, you know, to think about where I was then and terrified and not knowing if this thing was going to work to where we are now, it's just crazy how much life can change in a few short years. Yeah. And that's really phenomenal because I mean, the reason why I'm excited to bring you on the expert edge and share you with my listeners is, um, you know, there, there are a few people in the market that have had accelerated growth. And uh, I know that a lot of the time from the surface, accelerated growth looks like it's happened overnight, but, and I didn't even know the answer to this. I'd love to explore this in the conversation. But a lot of the time, there's there's a lot of learning journey that happens before someone has accelerated growth. 
And so, um, you know, the last, you said, you know, about two years ago or so, you were just starting to get some momentum. You've, your business has scaled up to a very, very high level um, now with, your, with what you offer. Um, but give, first of all, give some context of like, t- tell the audience what your business is right now and how you serve your clients. Sure. So I am a former teacher, English and language arts teacher that taught eighth grade. And I started selling my lesson plans online, literally just PDFs to other teachers. And in 2018, I decided to create a course that taught teachers how to make money online selling their lesson plans. And that in a nutshell is what I do and how we've served thousands of students. Mm, So good. And so when you went what was the moment that this idea was created? Like, talk to me about the Genesis moment of how you had this revelation of, of moving from being a teacher out of your expertise into teaching your expertise, essentially. Like, how did that journey happen? Well, you said that, you know, most people aren't overnight successes or in, you know, in some kind of way. And Even though it looks like right. it on the outside, but yeah. yeah. Right. So like accelerated growth, it appears that way, but you don't see all the hard work, tired eyes and lots of tears along the way. So my husband and I were both teachers, but we weren't making ends meet very well. And in 2013, I decided to start selling my own lesson plans just for us to have a little bit of extra cash to be able to pay the bills, our student loans and started making a few dollars, like $50 a month. That's kind of where everything started. Here we go. So this is 2013. Like you're saying, Hey, we met two years ago, but that's what I'm saying. I feel like what I always notice with people is they see the overnight, but they don't see the back work of like the, the, Hey, making $10 a month, making $50 a month. But tell me more about this story. This is what I'm really curious about. Yeah. And that's when, you know, we're doing high kicks in the kitchen, cooking spaghetti. Cause we made $50. Like yeah. that was a big deal. And we just, I was so excited because I was finally being paid for what I felt like was my worth. And mm. I was working hard, but I was getting paid for it. And as a teacher, in Georgia, we get, we make $32,000 a year when we first start teaching. So to make a few extra bucks, that was awesome. And yeah. I made a few, Even a few hundred dollars. dollars. Yeah. A few thousand dollars a month. That's like huge, right? We can have a babysitter. Like we can go to the beach on vacation. So this was really cool for us. And that business grew and it, it did grow pretty rapidly too. Year after year, I was, you know, doing really well by year three, I had tripled my teaching salary, which was insane. And were you out of teaching then? No, I was still working 40 hours a week. Wow. Yeah. So in 2000 and let's see, that was 2015 ish. I made about $95,000 just selling lesson plans online while Mm. I was still teaching. And I knew something was cool. Like I knew we had something going on, but I was too afraid to leave the stability of the nine to five, if you will. And we had kids and I had retirement and we had insurance, you know, all the things that make life as an entrepreneur really hard, but also really fun. And so I waited until 2018 to step out of the classroom. I'm making over a hundred thousand dollars a year at that point. And I did that for about eight months. I just kind of worked at my office doing the same thing. And the number one question that I got asked at Walmart was you quit your teaching job. Okay. But are you really making money? You must be struggling. Well, how did you do it? And so I decided to create a course that taught people that asked me at Walmart how to do it. And I had no idea, no 
idea that that launch would change the trajectory of my life forever. Um, wow. Tell me about that launch. Like, what was that experience like? And I'm assuming you did a, like a couple hundred thousand or something like that. Like I'm making up these numbers, but, <laughs> but like, tell me about that, that launch and how that, why that changed your life. I mean, it wasn't that great, but it was awesome. You know, yeah, not yeah. a couple hundred thousand, but we made $124,000. Yeah. So it was your first days. six figure. It was your first six figure launch is what I'm hearing. Is that right? My first launch ever. Yes. Oh, and your first was, launch ever. Yes. So good. $124,000 in seven uh, days. Okay. So this is interesting. So you went from selling lesson plans to essentially solving a bigger problem. You, you, you moved from solving the problem in the classroom to solving the problem in the teacher's life of generating more income. Exactly. So you solved the bigger problem. And then when you shared that, that sounds like that really resonated because you've been, you'd been being asked that for quite some time. Yeah. And I read all the books about entrepreneurship because I felt like I was an entrepreneur at this point. I quit my job. I was, you know, everything Amy Porterfield said, I was just lingering on to every word. And mm-hmm. she kept talking about selling these programs. And then everyone was saying these things. And then I learned Facebook ads for my business just to be able to sell my lessons. And then I just decided I'll try to bundle this together, literally thinking I'd make about $5,000 yeah. and just kind of use that along and along to supplement our income not realizing that this would become a multi-million dollar company. Wow. That is so cool. And so tell the audience, share with the audience about your business model now, because you went from selling a lot of different courses and things like that to what you're doing now. Yeah, I did courses, but I realized really quickly that things change so much in the marketplace of online, everything. And I was put on this planet to serve. I'm a teacher. And so Mm. teaching is my passion. I'm not satisfied with creating a course. You giving me your money and you going on your merry little way. I got to see you through. I got to make sure this works. So the first couple of years, I followed some of our students trying to figure this all out. I was giving away coaching for free. I was literally coaching in the Facebook group because their success was important to me. If they didn't make it, then I didn't really do what I was supposed to do. And so as I started bringing on team members and as we started figuring things out, they were like, you know, what if we move this to a much cheaper model for teachers? Cause they need cheap. They can't afford very expensive. You know, I can't, I, I could sell a high ticket. I have sold a high ticket, but I didn't sleep well the next day because yeah. in my heart, I knew that teachers were giving me a month's paycheck to be in my program. And so we decided to take everything that we had, lower the ticket tremendously and give insanely more value with weekly coaching. And I'm happier than I've ever been. We have more students than we've ever had and our business is flourishing. So I think sometimes we see that things have to be all like really crazy and grand, but if you really think about your customer and tier your, your offers to them, which is ours is a $49 a month membership, then crazy things can happen. So I'm a big believer in this as well, because I think that there's a lot of like people out there, they're like, you've got to sell high ticket. It's like high ticket sales is the way to go. And it's like, yeah, if there is a market match with that, like the, a lot of the time there's this like one thing that they're you know pushing, which is fine. Like it obviously works for them, but I think that you do have to have a market to price point match that makes it work. And it sounds like you're making more money at a lower price point than you were when you were selling your courses, because I'm assuming they were more than $49. When you were selling your courses, 
um, at a higher price point. Is that accurate? Right. And it's consistent. Yeah. Yeah. So you've brought in the, the membership model, which is great, um, which is phenomenal. And, and what I just realized was, you know, you're obviously you're a teacher. You've actually created like a classroom essentially for, for your clients and you get to teach them every week or every other month, however that works. Like, and you're actually, it's like, Hey, you're in second year now. You're in third year now. Like you're actually, you have created a school for yes. your students. Is that, is that kind of how you see it? It is. It's called the CEO teacher school. So I take that as a compliment. Um, they do. They feel like they're going back to college again, you know, yeah. only it's $49 a month and they're making money. So the retention rate is insane because even if they aren't making a dime yet in their heart, they feel like I can recoup $49 a month yeah. and I'm learning so much. Mm -hmm. And the community, we have some people that have been in the program for over a year that have just started making money because they felt like they belonged which is really cool, you know, to hear them tell their stories and we have co-working calls. So I'm not even in those calls and we have people managing it and they're sharing their stories and they just feel seen and they feel heard. And that's a really important for us is to make sure that educators are finding their spark again, because it's been, it's been a hard few years for teachers. Yeah, it definitely has. I'm curious about your mindset growth over the last couple of years. You know, you've gone from a teacher earning $32,000 um, to running a multi-million dollar company um, as a CEO. T talk to me about some of the beliefs that you've had to overcome to get to the place to where you are and kind of maybe what you believe now and what you, what you used to believe and kind of what you believe about yourself now. How's that journey been? Yeah, unworthy, I think, is the only thing that describes what I thought my business, you know, me making money, I was embarrassed. I felt unworthy. I felt guilty. There were all these different feelings that I had when I first started and I made my first launch. And in my mind, I thought it's never going to happen again. This was just luck. You know, there were all these things that went in, in my mind and I flew out to California and I was in a mastermind and the mastermind brought in James Wedmore, which is a mindset guy, you know, and this was a pivotal moment for me because I'm sitting there. I'd just made a couple hundred thousand dollars. I had made $300,000 in a few months and I'm like choking and crying because I was miserable. And I said, I'm just stressed out and I'm, uh, I'm I don't sleep and this money's not worth it. And he was like, you got to stop. Like you, the way you think about money is completely wrong. And he put me in like on the spot and kind of just gave me, you know, how he does his James Wedmore isms. And it really made me think about life a little bit differently. And so I put in a lot of work since those days of crying and feeling like I was unworthy and read some, you know, phenomenal life-changing books. Like the one that sticks out that I read often is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill from the 1930s. And just realized that whatever we want in this life is completely possible. So now I don't ever wonder like if I'll be successful, I can be as successful as I want to be. I just have to, you know, put my ideas and my thoughts in it and it'll happen. So that to me is pretty remarkable that you go from thinking that it all depends on you and it's all going to fail to, I can do whatever I want to do. That's, that's the, that's the change for me is that I believe that money is just a tool that we use and we can get as much as we want, as long as we work hard for it. Were, were there some pivotal moments along the journey that have made a big shift in how you think about yourself? Yes. Um, I hired two people when I first got started and I don't, I've never shared this story publicly before. So this is, this is going to be interesting, but, um, 
I, I think this is the most important part of my business journey. And I poured everything I had into them, my heart, my soul, money. Um, and both of them called me and quit within five minutes of each other in 2020, in March of 2020. And they were the only full-time employees that I had and talk about, I was walking onto an airplane, a four hour flight, um, that they knew I was taking. So, oh, talk about like the hardest rock bottom. My mom, bless her soul. I cried for four hours straight. Um, my mom tried to pick up the pieces, but you know, that was such a, a moment for me because in my heart, I felt like the reason that the business was running was because these two people helped me get to where I am. And now I realize that like the team is only as good as like the morale and how people feel and everyone's energy and how, you know, that's how we've built to where we are now. And so now we pick people and put them in the right seats that have our mission and our vision and our, our heart and the integrity and all the things that we should have looked for in the beginning. And so I don't even know what the question was, but I, I just took that and ran with it. But I, I just think that it's so important to remember that you have to have the right people that care about what you do in the right seats for things to go and run smooth. And what I'm hearing in that story as well was that you were putting a lot of like the success of the business and tell me if I'm wrong, but you were putting a good majority of the success on the business in the, in the fact that you had employees and that they were carrying it for you. And that if they left, then you were stuffed kind of thing. And then, and you've realized that it's actually you, the leader who drives this thing and people can move around in their seats. They've got to be in the right seats and all that sort of stuff. But you know, we're obviously the main listeners are, are CEOs, they're, they're, they're company owners. And so um, it was that part of a shift of you really realizing that as well, that like, like you are the leader and that you can recreate stuff and rebirth stuff. For sure. But also knowing that I, I do need people, but I, I don't think I was a great boss. Obviously they both quit within five minutes of each other. So yeah, come I, was on, not, you know, obviously <laughs> I wasn't the most joyous person to be around, um, but I had them there for the wrong reasons. And so it was, it was doomed for failure since the very beginning. Cause in my mind, I needed them to be successful. And I almost use it as a vehicle to me not work as much. And like, I, I was not a great boss. I did things wrong. And I admit that. Um, so it's just been an interesting journey of having someone that was part-time that has become full-time that picked up all the pieces that said, this is not organized. This is chaos. Let me help. You know, that has been, I can't even begin to think that I could do that on my own because I'm the more visionary all over the place. And she makes sure that everything is exactly as it should be. So, but I didn't have someone like that before. So I guess what I'm trying to say is you got to make sure that you have the right people that want everything that you want, but that do it for the right reasons. And you have to be a good boss. Managing people was not what I was put on this earth to do. So that was a really hard thing in 2020 that we had to get over. It is amazing how much as you scale up, like your role becomes a leadership role as opposed to a marketing and sales role. Cause I think when you, you know, anything kind of under $500,000 it's pretty much all marketing and sales. Yep. And then like, as you get up to the million dollar and then above a million, it becomes like a more leadership role because you've got your marketing and sales dialed in. Like it's actually working. So you don't have to like try to work it out every time. It's like, no, this just works. Now it's about like leadership. Um, is that something that you work on personally? 
Yes. Cause I, like I said, I was really bad at it, Mm. really bad at it. And my personality is very, when it comes to work, I'm very like go-getter, very aggressive. Here's the things that we got to do today. Here are all the things that have to get done. So if your personality doesn't lend itself to that, I could see where I was barking orders Mm -hmm. and I have completely stopped doing that. And the more I read about being a leader is that you have to allow people to take control and ownership of their own things. You just have to guide them. And when I stopped trying to make people work and I started being a leader that said, I want you to create this. I want this to become yours. People really began to shine and um, put out better products than I could have ever created a 25-step process for. Mm. I'm. You're obviously good at a lot of, like you're obviously very good at some things because your business wouldn't have got to where it is. But I think what's sometimes helpful and like um, reassuring for people is to know what you're not good at. So I'm wondering, what do you feel like you're not good at that your employees kind of really pick up for you? Because there's a lot of things for me that I am not good at, (laughs) you know, like what are those things that you've learned in this journey that you're not good at that you've become okay with not being good at so that you can actually grow your business? Mm. Number one is organization. I am really good at the ideas. I am really bad at putting them all down and then implementing them. So our integrator listens to me and then she makes the plan of action. Mm. I can get there and I'll get there quick, but I'm going to miss about 15 steps on the way there. And so she makes sure that we dot every I and we cross every T, which is really, really cool. I'm also really bad. Don't judge me. I have all boys at home. I had all brothers. So I don't do what's it's not empathy. I do have empathy for people, but I'm a very like no nonsense, no fuss. Like I don't, we don't have to talk about feelings and emotions and, you know, all that stuff. It's just, I've never been your results orientated, like you're driven results orientated, visionary. Um, yes. yes. Direct. Uh, like you've got like a, an ability to be assertive and just go for it. Um, <laughs> and worry about the feelings after. Yes. And so that is why those two employees were like, no, because yes. they wanted, you know, they were there, they needed my, you know, So what my integrator has done and why she is so amazing is she is literally like the biggest, sweetest soul. And she does. So she, she does all of that. She knows everyone's Mm. birthday. And so she allows me to stay in my zone of genius, Mm. but also remember to like being a good person is also very important. And that's part of having empathy. So she just keeps me on track. You know, the calendar's set. I know everyone's birthday now. I know when their anniversaries are. I know when they need time off. I know when they're stressed because she relays all of that to me. And then I can have that conversation with them, which has been the best thing ever because it allows me not to stress out about missing events or not understanding. You know, I've got five kids. So to keep track of all of that is it was overwhelming for me. So that has been the best business decision is to find what I'm really bad at and to partner with someone who is just the best and excels in that area because she, she makes me seem better than I am. She really does. She's my better half when it comes to business. And I, and I love that. And I, that's why I was curious about that question, because I think that all successful people in this industry have gotten okay and gotten clear with what they're not good at. I know I'm similar to you, you know, I'm not very good at being organized. Big picture for me is actually not that strong, which is not like you, like you're, I know you're quite big picture. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Tell me about, um, 
your word of mouth idea. You mentioned before we jumped on the podcast of like people overlook the power of word of mouth and we spend a lot of time on Facebook ads and things like that, which are all part of the business. But you, you mentioned word of mouth, which is obviously old school. Um, and I want to know what that means for you and why that's so important. It's really important in my industry. And I don't know what industry your listeners are listening in from and how this could affect them. But I think that it's still really important, even in 2022, you know, when my teachers are at school and they're making a few extra dollars, they're going to go sit down at lunch with their teacher friends. I mean, they don't have any other option. You know, they have to all eat together <laughs> Totally. and they're going to get excited and they're going to say, Hey guys, I made like $27 this month. And they're going to say, what? Yeah. Selling on teachers pay teachers. Well, how did you do it? Well, I'm taking Casey's membership. Look, go check out her website. And the power of that is so much bigger to me than someone, than my TikTok going viral or, you know, the thousands of dollars I'm going to spend on Facebook ads because right there, the social proof that I have in that moment with those teachers is a hundred percent more powerful to me than a lot of strangers watching a TikTok or something like that. So I think that we put a lot of weight and a lot of emphasis on how important our social media is and all of that. When we forget to take care of the people who are going to be spreading the knowledge and the word about us. So if I could say anything, it's be a good human and be good to people because your people are going to be the ones that share about you again and again and again. So don't try to just like one up people and just always try to be a good person. And I say that I'm not, I don't have a lot of empathy on the business side, but for my students, I really do. So <laughs> I guess it's hard. It's a hard thing to balance, but I think that is just so important is that word of mouth marketing is not dead. And you have to remember that whenever you get to know your customers. And well, and I think that, you know, for me, that's a reflection of product quality. Um, when I say product, I mean the whole customer experience is is the membership experience the community experience the course experience the you know how they experience it and because you know when you start out you feel like the industry is big like you feel oh my gosh there's so many people in the industry or you know there's lots of people doing this but the higher you go you realize how small it is mm -hmm. and um and having a quality product where people are willing to refer it and put their name to it i think is evidence that there's, you're going to be around long-term because there's a lot of flash in the pans in this industry. Wouldn't you agree? 100%. Like, <laughs> you know, and I think when it comes down to it, what I'm hearing in what you're saying as well, that's what I'm hearing underneath the surface is, is that quality of product is important. Quality of customer experience is important. Talk to me about some of the things that you think about when someone joins your program what, what are some of the principles or ideas that you're thinking about for helping them having a really good experience? What's your heart for them? Yeah. Is we want to avoid overwhelm as much as possible. That's the number one reason why people leave a membership is that they are mm. overwhelmed. And we know that there is so much stuff inside of there that overwhelm is it's super easy to feel overwhelmed, but I heard Brooke Castillo say one time, and I thought this was a really interesting analogy. She said, you all have a Netflix membership. I'm assuming how many of you go into Netflix and say, you're going to watch all of the videos on Netflix this weekend. Nobody says that, right? You think to yourself, well, I'm going to watch this this time, and then I'll start a different show. And so we try to take that idea with us when people join the membership. But the biggest thing was that we spent a lot of time on our onboarding. So when they come in, 
they, we, we send them to the start area and that's where we give them the overview and we share all about the membership. And anytime someone's confused, we go back to the onboarding and make sure that they watch that. Because when you do that and put that extra effort into it, people from the start feel like they belong. They don't feel mm-hmm. like they're a fish out of the water. And so we have a lot of things that make them feel, I hope like they belong. Like we send physical postcards. You know, we have certain emojis that we use. We have taglines that we use. We have hashtags, things that seem silly. They really do seem silly when you're thinking about it from the marketing side of things, but have made a huge impact on how people see themselves in the brand rather than they're just a part of a membership. They become the CEO teacher, which is I get chills just thinking about it, which is really cool. You know, we, that's what we want. We want them to, we don't want them to be in Casey's membership. We want them to become the next CEO teacher. And so that's, what's been really cool about the brand evolution since yeah. 2019, which is when I got that pretty piece of paper back there. Um, the trademark paper Ooh. is that it's, it was just the name of a company, but now it's kind of what our teachers have become. Mm, I love that. And so, um, I talk a lot about core premise, uh, in my program and what I'm hearing is your, you, your, what you've done well is you've identified an identity um, and kind of, I mean, similar to what James does, he does the digital CEO and you've kind of, you're doing your version of that. I don't know whether that was a help for you, but um, in that journey, but I love the idea of having identity and I, like selling identity as opposed to selling a, a program. Um, talk to me about like your understanding of your customer. Like how, how much time do you spend understanding your customer, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what their desires are, and then articulating that identity to them? Is that like a big part of your marketing process? It is. That's everything to us. So our full-time employees were students and they were teachers who have since left the classroom to work for us full-time, but they know they've been there. Mm. So they've been a student, they've been a teacher, they identify with the people. And so we have so many documents that are always growing and evolving, uh, screenshots, you know, our communities every day, we are pulling content from those communities to speak back to our people. So everything that I do from podcast writing to email writing to Instagram writing, we've taken something that someone Mm. has said and utilized it to solve their problems because, you know, once you do it for so long, you know, you say the same things over and over and over again. So to be able to take their words and to kind of use that as a vessel to help has been really important. So last year, while teachers were out, everything that we did changed to at home virtual learning. So Mm -hmm. our whole, everything had to change from our sales pages to our emails to our webinar, everything had to change. And this year has been a little bit of a struggle because we had to go back. So we we Uh, felt like we've been like evolving the business, you know, a lot, but I think that you have to listen to your people. And sometimes Mm. it's hard because they don't always, they don't always like what you do. When we changed to a membership, it got real rocky there for a while. (laughs) (laughs) So good. What have been some decisions that have helped you to make like a quantum shift, like a big shift. You talked about one of them was like working out that angle of uh, like that new angle when you did your first six figure launch. But what have been some other things that for you have worked really well in growing your business? Uh, Maybe marketing tips or marketing strategies or 
the way you think about your business? What have been some things that are coming up for you that have helped you to make like a big, more of a quantum shift? Maybe you've doubled down on a particular strategy or something like that. What, what's coming up for you? When it comes to marketing or maybe, or just our switch from marketing, let's go with marketing first. Cause I'm okay. hearing the switch from course to membership was a quantum for mm-hmm. you. Like you changed a business model. Um, and that's not for everyone, but I think it's really like, I can see how that works for you. Um, and so people like, I always kind of like to do the thing. You got to have a look at what's your lifestyle, what sort of market are you serving? And is that going to serve you? Because memberships aren't for everyone, but I think mm-hmm. that if they are for you, they're phenomenal. Um, and, it, and it sounds like it's working amazing for you. What about from the marketing side of things? Like what have, um, yeah, what are some things that are really working well for you, even at the moment, maybe that, that you're doubling down on, or you're really fascinated by and so forth? Yeah. I'd love to start with what doesn't work first for us that I learned this last year. I love shiny objects. And so I'm one of the people that says we're going to do all the things. And so as I watch people that launch, you know, some of the greats that launch, I love, I watch the whole thing. I'm in it to win it. I'm there for the launch. I'm watching and taking notes and listening to their, their videos and that kind of stuff. And so we decided this last launch to do a challenge because challenges are really hot right now. And some Mm, of our competitors are are doing them. And Amy Porterfield had like a 30 day boot camp challenge that was on I mean, out of this world, you know? So, I mean, yeah, we're setting our standards real high here. So we yeah. were like, yeah, let's do a challenge. And what we found was that a challenge does not work for us. And it, our last launch didn't go as well as we had planned because we did a challenge and we thought, well, everyone else is doing it. So we really dissected the pieces. And what we found was that we gave them so much to go back and do so much homework that people that told us that they had six months worth of stuff to do. So they were like, yeah, but I'll join the next time. Like I got too much to do between now and then. And so totally. I'm like, oh, darn, you know, I, I, I want to be a good person and I want to give and give and give them a lot of value, but there is a secret to giving value. And it's that mm. you can't give too much of it because mm. when you give too much value, people have no reason to buy. Mm. So this next launch, we're going back into sales mode, which I know sounds like gimmicky, but understanding the psychology of a sale really works and being able to talk to people about it. So for us, we do, I do best when it comes to a pre-recorded video series. So I don't ramble because if I'm live, I love people and we'll talk about their dogs and we'll, you know, we, I will literally go off script and the team is just sending me messages like, get it together. Like, nope, we're on, we're on number five. (laughs) So pre-recorded video series are so old school, but they are perfect for our audience. Yeah. And they work for your audience. That's really great to know. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's all part of the testing, isn't it? Is like that whole journey. And so that last challenge, was that like a five day challenge or how did that, how was that structured? The one that you didn't enjoy as much? Yeah, it was a five, well, it was a seven day. We had a Facebook group open for seven days and the challenge lasted for five. And so I was live every night for five days and then cart opened. And then I did five days worth of webinars. So talk about burnout. Mm. I was just over it. And it was just so, right, so it was you combined so it with webinars at the end, like five days of webinars. Live launched it right out the gate. So right. <laughs> live on the challenge, live on the webinars. Yeah. Um, That's a lot. It was a lot. I still haven't recovered. <laughs> you still got PTSD from it. <laughs> it was a marathon. Right. That's for sure. Yeah, I think I remember James once called it P- PTLD, post-traumatic launch. Um, <laughs> yes. 
like disorder. disorder or something like that. Yeah, it's so true. Um, oh, so good. Um, what haven't we covered or shared that, you know, if our listeners are, they're experts, they're business owners, they're, they're wanting to grow a business like yours. What haven't we shared in this conversation that you think would be helpful for them to know if maybe they're at, you know, they're, they're at that point where they kind of know what their, what their offer is. It's starting to sell. They're starting to get some momentum. Like what's some encouragement or things that you would share for them along that journey? Something I wish I had started sooner and please don't roll your eyes. Cause I feel like everyone says this is really systematizing everything that we do. And so that was our word for 2021 was systematize. And so we made it our mission all year long to make things easy and seamless. And mm. I can't even begin to tell you everybody that we hire that comes in. It's like, this is mind blowing. Thank you. This is so organized. This is so streamlined. You could give this to anyone and they can do it. And that is the key there is that in the book, the Edith revisited, it talks about franchising, you know, models, think about McDonald's mm. and Burger King. And once I started thinking about my business as a franchise model that someone else could come in one yep. day if I wanted to hit the road and, and take over. That's when it became really cool for me and really fun. So I just want to reiterate if someone's listening to this, that's wanting to grow faster and wanting to get there is to really work on systematizing everything. Mm. So it doesn't Are matter specific where specific systems that you use, like I know um, for us, we use sweetprocess.com for all of our systems. Are there like a certain platform that you use? So we don't try to get too fancy. We use Asana for our project management yep. and then we use Google Drive for everything. Cool. But we so you have put like all a, your systems in Google Drive. Yeah. And then we yep. upload them into Asana. So we have them in two places, you know, right. yep. um, but everything that we started doing this really cool thing where we have a company identifier. So let's say podcast, let's say Instagram, yeah. Facebook, those yeah. are our company identifiers. And then we have categories within the company identifier. So with podcasts, you got to edit, record, you got yes. to um, write, you know, there's all these different mm -hmm. things you have to do. And then there is like the detail about that. So maybe the date that the podcast is going to air the title of it. And so everything in everything that we do looks identical. So if it's podcast, if you're coming into the podcast, you can see the company identifier, the category, and then the little snippet about what it is specifically. And so because we've done that, we've been able to kind of take employees and we can move and mismatch and everyone feels like it's the same job, but only a little bit different because yes. they already know what the main thing is and how to get things done. So that has been the biggest thing that I can encourage people. So, and then everything has a screen recording. So everything that you do, if it's the first time you have to record yourself and do a voiceover. Yes. So yeah. do you use Loom good. for that? We use Screencast-O-Matic. Okay. Yeah, cool. Free. So we, um, yeah. that's what we use, but you know, Asana is now implementing where you can record inside of Asana, which is Ooh, really cool. So we've been I love Asana. That. So we use Asana as well. We love Asana. I've been using that for probably seven years or eight years now. Uh, love Asana. I mean, there's lots of other great platforms out there as well, but you got to find what, what works for you and your team. So that's really great. So it's kind of like you, that's helpful. So you set it in the, like, what's the context, which is the company identifier. And then what's the category of like, it's, is it like start, you know, edit launch kind of thing. And then what, what's the detailed task within it? Yeah. So think about graphic design, same thing. You can do that the same way. Think about your copy. So copy for launches, copy mm -hmm. for emails, everything is, is easily done that way. And so as people come on and they're in a management position, it's easier for them to manage 
the different areas because they don't really have to know about the specific area. They just need to know how to move the parts. Mm, no, that's really good. I'm curious from a business structure perspective, you, um, you mentioned you got a couple of full-time employees. What, what, how does that sit structurally in your mind? Because I think as people grow their business, like working out the structure of their business is like, you know, it's ever evolving beast, I feel like. But I'm curious, like wh- where are the main core responsibilities for you in your business and how like you're for your full timers? I, I am the creator. I feel like that's the cool. I get to be the top of the pyramid where I get to create the content. Yep. And then as the content trickles down to our integrator, she spreads it out to all of the different people. So mm. that's been really cool. She just manages everything. She manages all the moving parts. I just get to be what I've always wanted to be. And that's the visionary. And I get to create, I write all the podcasts and they take the podcast and then they create a blog post from it. And then they take the blog post and they create an Instagram post from it. And they ask for a picture and I send them a picture and then we do a TikTok. you know, so it's like this crazy cycle of things that happen. And it all just starts with the creative idea, which is really cool. So our full-time employees manage, you know, we've got one that manages all the socials and then we have a community leader. And I think the typical things that everyone does, but it's just such a well-oiled machine now because people are all there for the right reasons. And I believe in taking really good care of your employees. It's not enough for me to make great money. They have to make great money too. And I, I want them, if they're going to leave to say, to think twice about it or just, or or four times or five times, you know, I want them to be like, you know, not only do I only work four days a week, but I make great money too. And I'm loved and I'm taken care of. And that's super important. Um, I never want anyone to leave through a phone call ever again. I want it to be, they're part of our family now. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's really cool. It sounds like you've grown a lot from that experience. I mean, it's so often you go through the the most challenging experiences are the ones that you like grow the most from, right? Um, Which is so cool. I'm so for, for people who want to get in contact with you or they want to see what you do, or they want to maybe even join your membership. um, What's the best place for them to go to your website, caseymorris.com? Yes. And you can check out everything we got going on. We put a lot of effort into that thing. It's updated a couple times a day usually. And so we also have a weekly podcast that you can see on the homepage there where we kind of just teach little things along and along, but that's been really fun and successful too. So, and then our membership opens twice a year. We just recently closed cards. So if you want to hang out with us, it's going to be a little while, but it's been, it's been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. And one last question, Casey which is um, what, when you get to the end of your life and mm. people are standing around talking about Casey Morris, you've got clients, you've got friends, you've got family. W- what's your hope that they would say about you, that they would whisper to each other about you? She was a good person. Mm. That's all that really matters in the end. Mm. Love it. Casey, thank you so much for sharing your story. You are an inspiration and uh, I love how you show up for your community and, and for your mission. So thanks so much for uh, coming on the Expert Edge. Thanks, Colin. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, Make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience 
and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.